turn for a moment before the end of our time together in the scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So Acts chapter 20 and then 1 Corinthians 14. While you're looking for that, let me just make uh, announcements relative to three subjects briefly. One, and that is the system of communication that's been established over the Internet and with your uh, smartphones by Brant and Gary and Jason and what they've worked on. And now then there is uh, new access today. I'm going to ask you if you're interested. It opens lines for us to communicate as a group together. Uh, to speak to Gary about that or Brant or Jason, they can help you far more than me. And you can give your numbers, if you haven't yet, to uh, one of them, and they can set you up uh, and explain to you how and how we can share our announcements, our prayer requests, or just conversations together. And then secondly, if you turn around and look at the back, you see a computer looking at you right there on that table between the kitchen doors. Now, that is a system if you give by bank card that you can use for your offering. Uh, you know, if you've ever been one of those to say, I left home without my purse, and, uh, but uh, my husband's here with a good, deep, long, high limit credit card, and we want to give everything that's on it. Well, there it is right there. We can do it today. So uh, now if you're asking me how to go about that, there again, uh, Gary, <laughs> Brant, help. Uh, these guys can help you. So please make notes of those two things. And then finally, uh, well, not so much finally, but you smell food. And we didn't announce a church-wide dinner. But we try to get the word out that uh, guys are going out to eat every Sunday. And the bright idea was suggested by one of our guys a few weeks back. Why don't we just bring it and eat it here? So we did, and we are, and there's plenty of it, and it looks good. And you don't have to tip the waiter to pay the tax. Just whatever you bring is what we're going to eat. And uh, I enjoy that. I, I, whoever uh, put that together, thank you. Uh, that, that's a lot of fun, and it sure is a whole lot closer to home. But uh, oftentimes, I've, I've heard several of you say, you know, we just have a lot of fun getting to know each other around the table. And that's kind of a biblical thing, too. They did that. And doing things together, that's just important. And if you want in on it, hang around. Just just hang around uh, and, and, and get in on it. And, and then I say, finally, I told our men this morning, now, how many uh, wives we got here today? You married, you got a husband that's living. Uh, you tell him now, we have set aside uh, Saturday night, February the 15th, and now Vicki and I have, for uh, Mom's Night Out. So if you can't get out on Friday night for Valentine's, uh, we're going to keep the little kids from, uh, whoa, there ain't no something I didn't know I had. Uh, we're going to keep the kids and have a program for them on that night, and there's no charge to this. Uh, there is. Oh, we got to eat supper. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and tell them right now while we're on this. Now I have to get the end of the service. Thank you, dear. Thank you. They'll have a good time, and you can 
four. How many of you have been out with your husband for four hours without any interruptions recently? That's hard to do. Uh, guys, you hear me? Quit ducking your head. Wake up. You're already acting like you're asleep. That's y'all's night. So uh, we got the little ones, and we want them here. And we really enjoy being with them. And then two weeks from tonight, very popular film, give us some family time together. Uh, we're going to have uh, the Overcomers. I know it is local here at the theater. I know some of you have seen it and bragged on it. I know there have been a lot of good reviews. But that will just give us some more dinner time and fun time together. Uh, if you'll put those notes down, okay? And then we'll say uh, more about that for sure next Sunday. And I did have that note down. just didn't say it by 5.30 starting time on that two weeks from tonight. Okay? Thank you. Now I want you to look. And you figured it out already, I'm sure. I wanted to do this last week, and then with the death of our friend in Birmingham, I uh, was not able to, being part of that funeral service and officiating, actually, that service there. And thank you for letting me be with that family during that time. You continue to pray for them. I uh, keep saying, and this, and this, and this, and this, but I'm looking over here at Michelle uh, Sartain. Wave at me, honey. Good to see you. She's one of our neighbors from right down here on the East Creek Road. A lot of you kids remember Sherry Armour, her daughter. Uh, she rode that bus some of you guys rode on. Uh, that's her mom. So we welcome her. And uh, where where did Smith go? There he is right there. Good to see you again, babe. Good to see you. All right, Acts chapter 20, the setting, Paul leaving. He says in the text that he's going bound by the Spirit into Jerusalem, and he doesn't know what fate he would meet while he's there. But this is the beginning of the end uh, for Paul. For uh, the following chapters, talk about his journeys and uh, the difficulty there and his appearance before Governor Felix and then Governor Festus and then the Roman Caesars. And then to finish and see the conclusion, you look at Second Timothy, the last letter he wrote, and you will see how that came out. But in Acts chapter 20, beginning, I, I think today, I took a long text, uh, verse uh, 18. He has sent for the elders to give them a final address. Now, these are simply the leaders in the church of Ephesus. And he says, when they came to him in verse 18, he said, he said this to them. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots <coughs> of the Jews. Then he says, you also know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Night, uh, 19, 19, uh, excuse me, 2019, gone by, 2020 on us. And so you have in verse 20 these words, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and I've taught you public 
and from house to house. I just want to invite you in on the particular year, 2020. Certainly a topical message or a topical address. I don't know how much sermon you'd get out of this this morning. But it's an appeal. An appeal to you and an appeal for you and your ministry and your family in our church family here at Waterbrook Church. Paul makes it clear what he taught and what he preached. Repentance of sin, repentance toward God, and faith in Jesus Christ. But this is how he said that he himself did it. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And I taught you. I taught you in public. I taught you in private. I taught you in public squares and public synagogues and public houses. I taught you in your house and in other houses. And we read all accounts of that through there. But simply because it's Acts chapter 20 and verse 20 and the year's 2020, it just hit me of how we might involve ourselves together in the coming year. Now, I don't know if you make resolutions. I understand as of last night that most New Year's resolutions are broken by January the 10th. Uh, uh, that would be what? Today, I, I think, right? No, I don't know when it was, but today's the 12th. So maybe you're one of those. <coughs> but I want to invite you in on something fresh. And I want to invite you in on something that's personal to me and should be to you. And I want to talk with you just a few minutes about how we can share in perfect vision for our church. Now, the idea for a church vision, where in the world did it come from? I can tell you it did not come from Proverbs that says where there is no vision, the people perish. It did not come from there. If you read the rest of that verse, it says where there is no vision, the people perish, and the people cast off all restraint. It's because the word vision there doesn't mean eyesight. doesn't mean foresight. It means where there's no revelation of God and God and his word. People become lawless. So that's why it's dangerous to hang your hat on one half of a verse. Where there is no vision, the people perish, and then they cast off all restraint. So that's an entire message about how lawless societies become without a revelation of God's law. And that's what that verse is about in Proverbs. Now, we come to the word vision, and we see it in the New Testament with respect. Say, for instance, the beggar who died when the rich man died. And there is an account where he looked and saw, some say vision-wise. I'm not sure the text says that. I'm pretty sure the text says, and in hell he lift up his eyes and saw that poor beggar. Uh, afar off. The vision has to do with what you can see, and in my context, it has to do with what are you going, what are you planning on doing in channeling your ministry through your church this year? What have you meticulously, particularly, and prayerfully sat down and said, this is what I want to do? Uh, you're not one of those, I hope, that says <coughs> they got all the help they need. Because I can assure you we don't. Uh, you know, one of those that say, well, so-and-so will probably do it. Because I can assure you that ain't the right approach. How many of you know that the day God saved you, 
God planted in you life, eternal life. He brought you from death to life, and in so doing, he pronounced his own vision in the Scripture for every single one of us. How many of you could tell me in five words or less? Well, let's go to three words or less. Matter of fact, we can go to two. What the vision of the church is in the mind of Christ. Anybody, I, I'm sure we could offer some good things. All just super great, well, superlatives. But what is the vision of Christ for the people of God? Now, I'm not talking about just anybody. I'm asking you, what is God's vision for the people of God who meet together and call themselves a local body or a local assembly? It's simple. It's his last words. It's what he said before he ascended. In two words, he made it plain. Our assignment is make disciples. That's it. That's it. That, that is specifically and explicitly instructions to make learners and doers out of those who profess faith in Christ. It kind of scares me when a believer sits in the service and says, I don't like these lessons where we have to learn something. Because that's precisely what a disciple does. Disciple is translated from two words. It's compound translation. It means to learn and to do. Uh, you get that? Everybody smile. It means you learn and you do. And assignments of elders are to be teachers. That, that's our assignment, being accountable to God for a very incredible, serious appointment to be teachers. Watch it in the text. Paul says, you know yourself. I didn't keep anything back from you. And then if you'll read the rest of the text, he charged them to preach the full counsel of God as elders. Number one, look further in the text, and he said, not only preach the full counsel, but he said, you better beware, because out there coming in here are men that are nothing less than ravening wolves, wolves, wolves wolves okay they, they look like sheep but they're not and they're bringing into the very family of faith heresies that are apart from truth well you don't make a disciple teaching heresy you get a follower of you but not a follower of christ and i am scared stiff to think i wonder today how many worship places houses churches they call them exist where people are following one man or one woman and that's it and it's scary because some of them are swam full and i'm afraid they're going to be just as full the day after jesus comes quite frankly i heard one woman who considers herself a pastor say friday now she really said this she said god has told her that we are in for a shift in the spirit globally that subject is not even in your Bible. It's nowhere there. I don't know what it means. My first reaction is to say, what religion is she? Says she's a Christian. But a shift in the spirit globally, uh, you tell that to a lost man. That's not making him a disciple. That's not the gospel. 
It's not helping the body of Christ when they have to look at you and say, what did you just say? But those were her words, not mine. Now, what, why does that bother you, Jim? I'm going to give you two reasons, even though you didn't ask. Uh, one, it bothers me because this is the same woman that said she had a vision of God's warehouse of body parts in heaven. So when people on earth died without an arm or a leg, God would go to the warehouse and get it and stick it on them as soon as they got there. Now, the second thing that bothers me about that is her church is slam full. And people pay $100 to go to a two-day conference with her leading it. So I'm just going to tell you what Paul told the elders, and don't get mad at our elders when they hold the Bible up and tell you, show it to me in Scripture, because that's their assignment. And Hebrews 13 says, these guys, including myself, are accountable for your souls. Now, you know, you may have to answer to God for what you did, but we got to answer to God for what we did to you. So there it is. So Paul is saying, what did I teach you? How man is to come in repentance from his sin and faith in to, in, excuse me, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the embodiment of the very gospel, the very gospel. So our assignment is that. What else did Paul say? That's what I'm doing to you. That's what Paul said. I didn't hold back nothing. I didn't hold back anything. But I taught you daily. I taught you daily. I, I know the economy was different. I know work was different. I know life wasn't like it is today. And I don't mean to sound cynical, but how many of you people do you think would show up down here if we taught daily? I, I just don't even know why I said that. It sounds mean, I guess. But I'm just wondering, if you can't fill it up one day a week, how in the world we do it seven? I just thought y'all can have that for nothing. I mean, no, no money involved or anything. But Man, what a movement of God. What a movement of God. How big was this movement? You want, to, you want me to tell you what history says? History says that by the end of the first century, 90% of the known world was professing faith in Christ. You want to tell what history says today? Less than 3%. Less than 3%. And there's 7 billion people here now. What an incredible opportunity to declare their gospel and the full counsel of God. So disciples, not if you're not learning. No, you're not. Disciples, not if you're not doing. No, you're not. Uh, all the world can talk, but a disciple is a learner and a doer that follows Jesus Christ, okay? So it's my prayer that you, as you step into 2020, come to understand at least the intellectual definition of the very word disciple, and then by practice that you this year, number one, find yourself falling into the prayer closet more than you ever have. There's an incredible thing about prayer. It is communion with your Father. How many of you had great fathers and they're not here anymore? They're gone. I'll raise my hand. Raise your hand. Vicki Lynn, you had a good one. Okay, thank you now, good teacher. And you miss them, and you'd love to talk to them just once more. You ever had that thought? You had that? I have. But now, understand who God said he was. 
when he prophesied of the coming of Jesus in the last book of the Bible, he said, I am coming with it when he talked about Messiah. And he said, and I will be a father to the fatherless, a husband to the widow. What an incredible thing God has given to us. And Thomas standing before Christ, the one who had doubted about the reality of Christ's resurrection and said he wouldn't believe it till he saw the scars in his hands and in his side when Jesus did show up and say, okay, Tom, here I am, touch me. And all Thomas can say is, my Lord and my God. There's so much theology in those two words we don't have time. I'd love to talk to you about it if you want to come by and see me. And then the next statement, Jesus said, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended. I go to my God and yours. Listen, and I go to my Father and yours. There's a reason Holy Scripture says, don't you call any man father on this planet except the one true God who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of creation, the Father of life, the Father even of death, the Father of judgment, the Father of eternity. He is the one who has wrapped his arms around us for our benefit, our good, and his glory. How are you going to get to know that if you don't talk to him? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified, declared not guilty of sin, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we also have access to the Father. Romans 8, Paul talked about prayer and intercession for the saints with groanings that cannot even be uttered. James says you have prayed and you've not received because you asked amiss that you might just seek something for your own self. Jesus said, ask and it will be given unto you. Paul said to Thessalonians, don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit, don't despise prophesying, and pray without ceasing. Samuel bowed down on his face and fell down before God and said, God, forgive me for the sin of not praying for your people. Prayer is paramount. It should be first base, not home plate. It should be the first. How many times have you heard it? Well, we went to the doctor. We took the medicine. We went to another doctor. We took the other medicine. I guess finally we can pray. There you say. You mean at the end of all your personal attempts, you finally decided to invite God into the affairs of your life? Folks, that ought to be the first thing you do before you hit the floor every morning. Or you, even if you hit the floor, you ought to hit it praying. Now, at my age, I do. I thank the Lord I can even find the floors. I reach for knobs in this whole door sometime, man. I'm just glad I can find the floor. I go for the mattress and miss the whole bed. I mean, man, you, you know, I like Fred Sampson's son said he was. What would you do this morning? One guy said he jogged 30 uh, blocks around the city. He lifted weights. He did several sit-ups and Fred, what did you do? His son spoke up and said, he stood up too fast, got dizzy, sat down and read the paper. That's where I'm at. This is where I'm at. My little granddaughter told me last night, Papa, your shirt's don't fit you no more. Okay, nice. But that's what she said. 
I got to get with it. But just to be able to wake up every morning. Man, come on. I used to laugh at these guys. <laughs> said, I'm just glad I woke up today and said, thank you, Lord, for another day. Come on, guys. Let's make prayer number one. Hey, come on. I don't care what we meet about, talk about, plan. I don't care what we dream about. It, nothing matters. If God is not the beginning of the service, then we have no service. And just like God, he is God. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. That is the Alpha letter, the Omega letter. He's from A to Z. He is not created. He is eternal. This is his land, and we are the sheep of his pastor. Stop trying to live without him. Prayerlessness is lack of communication with the one who loves you the most. Do you agree with that? Get in the earthly relationship. We spend 2020 with a perfect God seeking his wisdom and his counsel. And you get that from Holy Scripture. Do you want to hear God in 2020? Can I get a grunt from somebody? Then read your Bible. And if you want to hear him talk loud, read it out loud. I know you've heard that before. But if you want to hear how God sounds talking out loud, just read it to yourself. It'll work. It's his word. It's not just another book. We forget all of that. Peter, in opening up his letter in 1 Peter, <coughs> talks about the marvel, the miracle, the majesty of standing face to face with Jesus when he was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible said transfigured. That's metamorphosis. He changed. And what was inside of him lit up that place to the extent these guys fell backward and they saw the absolute glory of God with their very eyes. And then Peter follows that up three years later and says this. Relating to the event in the Mount of Transfiguration and comparing it to this, Peter says, having seen that, we have now, therefore, an even more sure word of prophecy spoken by holy men, not given to you through cunningly devised fables, but by men who saw him, heard him, touched him. Guys, I want to tell you through the eyes of faith, you can see him as you pray. You can hear him as you pray. Come on. My invitation to you is join us all in prayer. And some are right now in the middle of prayer and fasting. Fasting a very delicate issue, but a very biblical issue uh, that leaves to you the opportunity to set a fast that you can keep. You cannot possibly go to work in a furniture plant and do that lifting and do that working on the empty stomach 40 days. But there's some things you can fast. And fasting doesn't mean suicide. Fasting is for your benefit, not your burden. So get that. If you have any questions about it, ask. I'll point you to people. I'll answer you myself. But ask, and it shall be given, okay? But let's get into 2020 by praying and understanding the value of talking with our own Father. The second is participation. Participation. I, uh, I think of the letter of Paul. 
and how he wrote how he longed to see some of the people that he had write. And one time in 2 Corinthians on one occasion, but he couldn't be there when he was there in spirit. I like that. I really do. Uh, I'm not trying to be presumptuous, but I just can't see these spirits. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see real flesh and, and real people. They tell us that by and large, the average church attendance today in the United States, the most blessed and most convenient nation on the planet, that less than 50% of those who say they're saved will actually be in a church. And to top that off, they say it'll be three more Sundays before they go again. But I did God a favor. God, you know how early it is. Lord, it's 8 o'clock on Sunday morning when they're at work at 7. It's Sunday. Lord, it's raining too. The wind's loud. Come on, God. Give me a break. Stop preaching on TV. Well, you do. You do. You do on all of those issues. But you don't have each other. You just don't have each other. You, and, and, you know, if you get mad at the TV preacher, you can't say nothing to him. You can wail me out, man, right here in front of God and everybody. You can just work on me good if you want to. It don't matter. But, I, I, I mean, come on, people. You were saved to participate. You, you, you really were. Okay, where's that at in your Bible, duh? You know it's all the way through it. It's called prayer. It's called worship. It's called fellowship. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 for just a moment and uh, see how Paul addressed that very issue of participation, and I might add participation in the Spirit while he spoke on the subject of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, let's listen to what he said. You don't have to take my word for it. Now, when I get out of 2 Corinthians, we'll talk. Okay, here we are. Chapter 14. Chapters 12, 13, and 14. Listen to me. Deal with the subject, the singular subject of the gifts of the Spirit. Not the only place they're mentioned. I told you this a million times. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, others. But chapter 12 and chapter 13, chapter 14, deal with nine gifts known as sign, S-I-G-N, gifts, for the simple reason that those gifts had the unique characteristic of being able to be witnessed. If you had a gift of prophecy, it could be seen and heard. All right, we good with that? If you had the gift of love, the result of that could be seen and heard. If you had the gift of hope, your conversation, the result of it could be both seen and heard. So there's sign gifts. Now, beyond that, there are 11 more gifts uh, of the Spirit and those other texts that I gave you. But as Paul concludes, he talks about the plus of the tongue gift. He's really into that one. He tells you when to do it and how to do it and what it really is. He tells you when not to do it. He really does. Now, and I want to emphasize to my Baptist friends, because that's what I are, this is not to be confused, though it is related to a separate distinct move of the Spirit called praying in the Spirit. Uh, you know, I was taught for years, you, you don't do that, you can't do that, that ain't right. And uh, whoever taught me that can't do it. 
whoever taught me that didn't do it, and whoever taught me that didn't think it was right, but they're wrong. Uh, we, one is better studied from the context of Romans chapter 8. One is better studied from 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Uh, but for the sake of your participation back to where it was supposed to be, let's look beginning with verse 13. So he said, all these saying about the tongues and different gifts, he says, now or therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Catch that. Catch that. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. <coughs> How many in here have ever groaned out to God? not knowing how to pray as Romans 8 teaches? How many of you ever felt yourself so desperate that as you prayed, you uttered what you couldn't even interpret? You're saying yes and truth. Are you closet charismatic or something? What's up? Yes, you are. I can tell from here. But if I pray in the tongue, my spirit prays. So it's not ineffective. It's a thing from God. It is prayer. It is communication with God. My mind don't catch it, but my spirit does it. So what you say in the next verse? Well, I'm sure he said something to blot all that out. I mean, that's what we were taught. Look at what he said. What am I to do? Verse 15. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. Uh, Paul, dear, he ain't talking about taking one road or the other. He's talking about driving down both highways. He's talking about taking up both lanes. Man, you ain't going to pass me. I'm going to be over here with one. I'm going to be over here with the other. You better be behind me. But if you get spiritually involved, you're liable to outrun everybody too. So that could be a good thing. But look at what LT has to say. This is your Bible too, by the way. He says, I will sing praise with my spirit. And I'll sing praise with my mind. Now, I don't know how many times you Google this, if you Google it at all, but when I Googled, I giggled. And how many times praying and singing were associated together all the way back to Exodus when Moses crossed the Red Sea and his sister went off in the tangent singing about the incredible victory that God had given the Israelites when he slew the Egyptians. Big old long song she sang recorded right there. In, in the book of Exodus. And then we get to Psalms. And bless my soul. There's 150 more right there written by a man after God's own heart. David. Can you see that king, sovereign king of Israel, propped up under a persimmon tree, stringing that harp along and singing, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless the holy name. Or he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Or blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor when he thinks about Scripture, he goes into 119, verse 76, as we know it, and sings forever, O Lord, thy word is fixed in heaven. We don't get the joy of singing but we do get the joy of reading it. But we have seen music put to words to a lot of that in the last 20 years plus. And we've been singing it here. 
But what does Holy Scripture say we're to do? Okay, here we go. Verse 16 says, otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen? To your thanksgiving, we don't know what you're saying. So you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Now, I want you to look with me, with that seeming and that leadership of the Spirit, I want you to go to how he concludes this in verse 26, please. Same chapter. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn. Ooh, okay, I, I'll finish up. I didn't know. I didn't know it was near the manger. Uh, each one has a hymn. Listen to this. I didn't write this. Don't come tell me what it says to you personally because it says the same thing to you it says to me. Now, if I'm wrong, that's a different argument. But I'm going to read it word for word. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, for building up. Of course, one of those words we read with lesson is each one has a prophecy. I need, I need, I, I would appeal to you. We'll have to finish this later. I ain't going to get this done today. I got two more points after this, and I ain't shut up yet, and I know it. it but look at me. Come on, once a week, give me a break. When you come together, each one has a tongue, a lesson. Where's yours? I, I, I hear the same preacher here every Sunday. Has God not spoken to any of you? Let us in on it. Do you not know these are the chapters and verses that talk about the body being one of many different members, but we all have to have the same body? Y'all got that, didn't you? Remember Gary talked about it, and I talked about it a couple of Sundays before we went into the Christmas thing? <coughs> Where's yours? Well, a revelation. What's God revealed to you in harmony with his word? Do you do? Remember now, we're talking about a year of 2020 victory and wisdom. What have you committed to share this year with the relationship to how God has instructed you. And each one has a song. I hear Amanda and I hear Jason. I hear Mary. But he says, you come together. Some of you got a tongue. Some got a message. Some got a song. Well, sing it. And don't tell them they can't. God's already told them they can. Who do you think you are? Sing it. Somehow or another, we have gotten the idea that the greatest inside spectator sport for Christians is going to church. We just watch what everybody else does. Or we watch what a few people do. Where's your song? Where's your revelation? What word have you gotten from God? Paul said, when you come together, get it out there. I didn't miss words, neither did he. You want to break the heart of God? It's called quenching the spirit. <coughs> when you stand up and try to tell somebody they can't do what God has already said they can do. 
you'll kill the church and you can hang Ichabod on the sign up there on the highway, which means the glory has departed. Somebody besides God is now in charge. Catch this, guys. Church is a place of participation. It's a consequence of being filled with the Spirit. It's a consequence of the gifts of the Spirit. It's a consequence of walking in the Spirit. It's a consequence of worshiping in the Spirit. It is for you. It is for us. And it is for your good and our good that by what you bring to the table, we all might be edified and built up. That's what I want to see in 2020. You edified and built up. Well, the last two simply had to do with whatever is prosperous. Get on the doing it. You can't go wrong when you're doing it right. Truth and love, they don't die. Even you do, but it goes on. So let's see how, number one, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Commit yourself to prayer in 2020. Not only that, look at what your Bible says about what goes on in churches. Show us what you got. Jesus. Paul said, I didn't keep back anything that was profitable. That which produces prayer, participation, and profitable for all of us is the will of God. There's one more, but it takes a long time. It's called personal evangelism. Just going to ask a question and say a prayer. How many of you have taken time? Let's just say, oh, let's just pull New Year's Eve out of the sky. To say, by your grace, I'm going to lead one person to Jesus. One in a year. Come on. You can do that. that. That'll have our attendance increase by 50 this time next year. If we're faithful. Catch this. 2020 vision. Prayer and communion with your father. Participation with your family. Holding back nothing that's profitable. And personal soul winning. That is how you build a church. The secret is the church just falls somewhere because that's how you build yourself. The Old Testament. Let's stand together, please. Give you just a moment to ponder some things. Things might be missing on your planner for 2020. Well, you've got your birthdays, your anniversaries, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, Easter, Fourth of July, and vacation. Okay, we get that. We all do that. But how many of you have typed up, today I'm going to share the gospel with somebody? How many of you typed up how many days you want to see God really move in your home? 
and 2020. Some of us get practical. Get physical. Do something. Do it. Think about it. Do it in faith. Faith produces miracles, guys. Quit waiting for the miracle to produce faith. That dog don't hunt. God, if you'll do this, I'll just give me a buck. It's your faith that produces the miracle. It's not the reverse. It's not the reverse. If it's right and it's God, do it. Let's pray together. Thank you all so much for coming. I want you to be blessed. Hang around, fellowship. Enjoy the afternoon. Pray for one another. See you Wednesday at 630. Ben, would you voice our prayer?